Welcome to Guna Podcast number 135. We're putting this down, as the cool kids say, on the Tuesday night after the 5-0 win against Villa. And if that wasn't exciting enough, we also have a TV crew from ESPN Brazil filming us. Well, <laughs> they're doing a feature on one of our panellists. Who is the famous one? Wait and see. Anyway, I'm your host, Mark Ollington, back once again like the Renegade Master or something. Um, but on tonight's panel, that's what you want to know about. Who do we have? Well, first up, the man behind this podcast, the website, the fanzine, former editor, current publisher, and the man who looks the same as when I first met him back in 1998, who <laughs> still has all his lovely hair. It is Mr. The Gooner, Mike Francis. That's very pleasing. You kind of you say so, but I don't look the same, trust me. Look at the photos. Mike, you pay for this. Well, you've, um, <laughs> you pay for the podcast and stuff, mate. It goes about saying, we'll give you some credit. Next up is a panel member who has been doing this pod since, the, since it started back in 1936 or something like that. He's our maverick, our touch of flair, our man in the hole. It's Mustafa Goldstein. Hello, Mustafa. Hello. Lastly, is a Guna contributor, Arsenal columnist and Brazilian football writer. The TV crew are actually here for him, fact fans. He has something in common with another panellist, Mr Goldstein, as both are happily loved up with Brazilian ladies. It is a legend. This is Mr Tim Stillman. Hello, Tim. Hola. But once again, you lot out there in podcast land have set the topics and the agenda. They have come from your tweets and emails from our loyal listeners, so we'll try and cover as many as possible. But last but not least, this pod is once again hosted by Pybury Corner. Not only have we eaten this amazing deli pie experience tonight, but we're recording here too. We hope the background ambiance enhances the podcast experience. So, speaking of our hosts, Pybury Corner, they too have got in, in on the tweet action, and they said to us today on Twitter, shouldn't it be called a piecast? seeing as we're hosting it. Very funny, guys, and a great tweet. Thank you. But enough of the sp- um, sponsors. On to the first topic. All the p- so the on panel. Since we sparked those, since we spoke last, I should say, <laughs> if I can talk, um, it was going so well, um, we have barked on four wins in a row and three, that's three, clean sheets in the league. How is our general vibe? Are we happy? Are we positive? How does it feel being up for once as a Guna. Let's start with you, Tim. Um, yeah, very nice, actually. Um, I don't think it's, it, it, it's... It's really nice that we've got this clutch of kind of six or seven players, I think, that are really, really in good form, some of them the absolute form of their lives. Uh, and what's quite interesting is that a lot of them are players that you probably wouldn't have kind of picked out in August or September. I don't think anybody thought that Coquelin, Francis Coquelin, would be part of... Um, you know, a, a pretty decent unbeaten run, or David Ospina, um, Santi Cazorla playing the absolute football of his career at the moment, Olivier Giroud as well in, in wonderful form. So we've just got this really nice kind of clutch of six or seven players who are just playing brilliantly, um, and that's that's kind of their form is informing the team's form and vice versa. Um, so it's like it's a really nice kind of cycle going on at the moment, and uh, let's hope Tottenham don't ruin it on Saturday. How was your general mood in the first few months of the season, Tim? Were you kind of imbued with negativity? <laughs> Um, not quite. No, I was, you know, I, I was a bit concerned because I think after winning the FA Cup last year and finishing last season strongly, you know, we had a strong start in the transfer market. Um, you know, I think everybody was in a really good place and thought, you know, not maybe not that we're going to win the league, but right, we're going to have a title challenge this year. And actually, we had a very stuttering start. A lot of players affected by the World Cup, I think, trying to change the formation, um, and it didn't, you know, have mixed success. So it was a bit of a bit start to the season so I was a bit disappointed but 
Um, nevertheless, I didn't really think it would last. I, I always felt that it would come together at some point. Uh, and hopefully that's what we're seeing now. Mike, good vibes for you? Happy? Over the moon? Ecstatic? To use the football cliches? I mean, at the moment, you've got to be happy. And I, I, I do find it quite depressing that there's so many Arsenal fans, I see, commenting on the Google website, who, who just can't enjoy a 5-0 home win over Aston Villa because they have such a negative feeling towards the manager. And it's like, you know, I'm... I'm still of the, of the view, I'm not going to change my view just because of a couple of results, that Wenger's taken us as far as he can. But, right at the moment, things are looking good. And, you know, his tactics have changed, whether it was him or the players. He suggested it was the players at Manchester City, fine. D- doesn't matter. The team won. Let's, let's just enjoy that. And, and, for, and the, the game against Villa, yeah, OK, Villa haven't scored in... 25 years or whatever it is I don't know but, and, and they were crap it, you know, they fell apart in the second half but, but they didn't have David Platt in goal this time <laughs> well you know, I'm glad you said that because yeah. I thought I said that on Sunday to someone so. 91 season and he even wore an Arsenal shirt Arsenal when he shirt went in goal because did, he didn't have another right keep his to go and put on him. but you know you've got to enjoy 5-0 we played well um, you know as Tim's point you know there are a, a number of players that are, are playing well and we bemoan the injuries for so long now a lot of those players are coming back and they're actually having to fight for their place maybe it's having the positive effect that we need we'd have liked it three, four, five months ago but hey enjoy it while it lasts because it won't last forever Basti do you share these views? well I think that the people who tweet in or, or write in and are have forgotten how to they've forgotten how to enjoy winning you know um, there's been a lot of frustration uh, the first start the start of the season there was a there, you know I found it very difficult to, to watch Arsenal and suffer until the end and then throw away silly points silly goals um, and it's almost as though there was this sort of resentment building up and you just started going oh fuck Arsenal you know um, and uh, I think now that the, the good news is we've got these players coming back and I, I, the first half against Villa, you could see it. People already having to go at Walcott, having to go at Ozil, they weren't pulling their fingers out. And then, you know, they suddenly pop up, score a couple of pretty good goals. I've got to say, Walcott took that. It wasn't easy to take that the way he did and finish it. That was a really good finish. Uh, and uh, Ozil's finish was great as well. You know, they're going to take time to come back and get fit. And players blow hot and cold. I remember standing up the North Bank in the 70s and 80s, watching players, didn't do a thing the whole game, then scored the winning goal. You know, that happens. You know, so what I think is great now is that we've got a bench again, which looks like, you know, you could take players off, bring them on. Rosicki's firing all cylinders. And I hate to say it, I'm not missing Podolski, which I was the, the day he went. I was, how dare they get rid of Podolski? But now looking at it, I, I can... I can, I hate to say kind of, sort of, but I can kind of, sort of see what Wenger's thinking there. You know, Podolski would probably be wasting his time. Fair enough, fair enough. Now look, let's go back to some of the games we've had since the last Guna podcast. I think the game that has caused us most happiness and celebration was Man City away from home. Um, how did that, I mean, we've got loads of tweets about this, but uh, Mark Holmes has basically asked, player power? Question mark. And a lot has been said about our tactics in that game. What was it, 35% possession, something like that? And those are, what happened to make us actually win that game? Tim, you're only right about tactics. I'm going to start with you. It's definitely good and incisive here, mate. <laughs> OK. Um, I think Arsene Wenger's very happy um, to let his players think that they, were, that they masterminded that. Um, Arsenal have played that way away from home against big teams before. Um, Borussia Dortmund, when we won there a couple of years ago. We've done it twice, I think, at Bayern Munich. I think we tried to do it at Chelsea, um, but Chelsea, kind of the marginals went their way that day. And if you look at the Man City and Chelsea games, they're actually very similar. Um, Both nil-nil, very tight, no chances. At Stamford Bridge, Eden Hazard produces a bit of magic, they get a penalty, they go 1-0 up, they dominate the game. At City, it's nil-nil, no chances, very tight. Nacho Monreal produces a piece of magic. <laughs> I know if I'd hear the <laughs> My words. Nacho Monreal is ending Hazard. Oh, it's coming good, to be honest with you. He's looking quite solid. And, uh, and yeah, and, so, and then we get the penalty, and that means we control the game, and we dictate the tactics. Um, and, you know, little marginals went our, our way that day, and, you know, they didn't... Aguero wasn't really fit. Vincent Company had been out for six weeks. 
so he wasn't really firing, Yaya Toure wasn't playing, whereas Arsenal were playing well, so I, I think it was kind of a perfect storm, whereas Stamford Bridge we tried to do exactly the same thing, and not necessarily, we didn't necessarily do it badly, it's just that was an imperfect storm yeah. that went against us. I think this, this thing about you know, Wenger saying, oh, the players came up with it, he said straight after the game that he hoped the City result would give them confidence. Um, if you actually read the quotes, he didn't say in as many words the players told me to do this, um, but I think he was quite okay for it to be twisted that way because if he's talking about giving his team confidence, then, you know, kind of letting them take the credit, I, I think he'll be absolutely fine with that and he won't be in a rush to correct that at all. I think we've said, I think, you know, I probably said on the last podcast I was on, you know, Wenger trusts his players so much, you know, and he, he, he always wants them to solve the problem, solve the problems on the pitch. He's not going to stand on the touchline and rant and rave and point in this direction and that direction. And, you know, we criticised him for that then, so surely you have to then go, well, if he's let the players sort it out and they finally, the pennies dropped with them, then give them, give them bloody credit for doing so and give Wenger credit for letting them carry on doing it. Maybe, you know, he could have pointed them in the right direction earlier, yeah, but, um, you know, fair play, it, it worked. And, I mean, the Man City game was just so untypical of everything we've seen for the last five years where we go up and every time they cross the opposition cross the halfway line we're all our hearts are racing going oh shit they're going to score here and I didn't feel like that at all in the game you know they had a couple of chances yeah but no team's going to go 90 minutes without getting a chance and we we dominated them despite only having 35% possession and when they put the stats up at the end well, I've never been one for looking at the possession stats but when I put it up I was like genuinely shocked that we'd had as little as 35% because it didn't feel like that watching the game not as shocked as we were surely as I was when after the Villa game Villa had more possession yeah. of the ball than we did according to the BBC another point is that I think two very massive factors uh, of the wins at City and our general good form needless to say the clean sheets now it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to work out um, that something's going very right in the goalkeeping department at the moment and I think Wenger's caught on to that one. Ospina is safe hands Ospina. I mean he comes out, he claims things, he, there's a nice ripple of calmness that comes emanates out from the back now that certainly wasn't there when Chesney was uh, uh, the captain of the defence, um, which uh, that's a big one. And in front of the defence there's Coquelin, aka um, the cock he was called the other day I think. Uh, Villa, are we going to have a song now for him? <laughs> oh, I'd love a song. Like, you, yes, I'd love a song. <laughs> right, I can't remember how it goes. <laughs> You'll have to sing it, Mark. We've only got one cock. We've only got one cock. We've only got one cock. One cock. We've only got one cock. We've only got one cock. We've only got one cock. That's that Cockerland, by the way. That was marvellous, Basti. Excellent. It wasn't that good, actually. I forgot the chords, but well, never mind. We've got almost one. as good as Highbury, Sun, Highbury Sunshine, available now on Cherry Red Records. Anyway, um, we had another tweet. We mentioned it from um, KK at Red Square KK, as he calls himself in Twitterland. So, with regards to the previous matches, what is our best starting team? And is Ozil in it? So let's not go through this with the whole thing. You mentioned the, the um, keeper, but starting with you then, Mike. Um, do you have a favourite team at the moment? And would you have Ozil? I think it depends on the game. I think I think Ozil had a great game against Villa, and that's probably his best game in probably a year. If you're honest, I know he's been injured for a lot of that, but. Um, but I wouldn't play him against Spurs away on Saturday. You know, I, I think <coughs> he's a player that, that, that needs time on the ball, isn't going to track back, isn't going to get into a war of attrition. Spurs games are always a battle, even when when they their shit, which is always obviously. Um, but so no, I, I would I, I wouldn't play him. I think Sanchez will come back into the team, um, and I'm not sure about Walcott either. I think Walcott or the Chamberlain or Rosicki, I'd play probably either one of Rosicki or Chamberlain ahead of Walcott at the moment in that game. But then we play Leicester, what, midweek ne next week, Ozil and Walcott probably straight back in then for that one. So basically what you're saying is there's no real starting 
11. It should be based upon the team that we're playing for once and the relevant players the relevant matches. Tim, something you actually would like to see Wenger do? Yeah, definitely. The team? I, I, think, um, I think there's too much obsession over starting 11s. I think, yes, um, you know, opposition comes into it, form comes into it, fitness comes into it. I think at the moment... Um, what we've got is we've got some really good partnerships all over the pitch and uh, I think I think Coquelin has played very very well but it's been aided and abetted by um, having Gazzola and Ramsey with him who I think dovetail really nicely because they're both nice and disciplined they can both get forward as well uh, and I'm, I'm actually really liking the look of um, Gazzola, Ramsey and Coquelin in quite a disciplined three but that has the potential to kind of go forward and Ozil on the left because I think Ozil's lack of tracking back matters less when you've got three quite nicely disciplined um, midfielders. I think the back line, um, I don't think it's any coincidence there's some consistency in selection now and that's why we're seeing better defensive performances because the same players are playing and putting, putting games together. Um, and I, I do actually like Ozil on the left. Um, I think the other thing as well defensively is if, if you don't lose the ball, um, that's a very good defensive tactic and Ozil doesn't lose the ball. One thing that's really underrated about him as well, and the reason I quite like him, a little bit further up the pitch um, on the left wing, almost in a kind of quite a Pires role, but similar in that Ozil is a great finisher. Um, try and think of chances he's missed when he's put through on goal. Not many. Um, and I, I actually really like him on that kind of left-hand side. I thought he looked like a real goal threat um, against Villa. Um, so, I mean, at, at Spurs on Saturday, I'd be more than happy to see Ozil on the left, Sanchez in on the right. Um, but there are so many different permutations, and I, I really don't think we need to worry too much about what the first 11 is I think um, you know the, the kind of what it comes down to on the day is you know, there's too many factors um, that, could, that are very malleable and therefore you know we should just enjoy the facts that we've probably got 16 17 players who could very easily be in our starting 11 at the moment do you think Ozil and Santi could start together against a big team which is what KK at Red Square KK your Twitter name was getting at Basti uh, well, I think they can, but it, it depends who's going. You know, who's going to who's going to drop out? Because at the moment you've got an embarrassment of riches for creative attacking midfielders. Um, and uh, I actually disagree a little bit with Tim in that I think Kazola and Ramsey they've now started to tighten up their game a little. But I thought the first half of the season there was a lot of. They're giving the ball away. I think Ramsey's still got to find his uh, confidence somehow because, you know, for example, you know, in front of goal, he really ought to have scored um, uh, recently. I can't remember which game it was. It was the cup game, wasn't it? Um, and, and other little things where you, you, you see he, he seems to be still chasing the game a bit. He's not, he's not that confident Ramsey that he was last season. And. Uh, and Cazorla has now. I mean, I've been slagging Cazorla off all season, and like being the football fan I am, I'm entitled to my fickleness, and I will be fickle and say that now he's playing very well. He's timed his game up. He still hangs on to it a bit too long for me, and he could pass it. But hey, you know what? When he skins three players and does make a pass, then fair play to him. And, and he, he's yeah, he's, he's going great guns, isn't he? so I can't really knock him. I love Santi so much, Basti. I think we need a song. All right then. Santi Cazola Whoa, Santi Cazola Whoa, Santi Cazola Fantastic. That is a poet, a singer in action. No, that's um, Santi Cazola. Both of you, you, you share much in common, but not height, because obviously you're quite different with regards to that, which you can't see on podcast lines, but Batty's a very tall man, which obviously Santi isn't. Um, one last tweet about the team before we get onto the transfer um, window. Yakubu Musa, I hope I pronounced your name right, he asks, is our team better off without our best player, Sanchez? The Villa match unearthed some issues. Is it an Ian Wright type scenario where some people moaned and moaned and moaned? He was the entire focal point and the team disintegrated in the wake of that. Basti, that tweet's for you. Well, I think uh, Sanchez is a great player and he's going to start every time, uh, you know, a, apart from occasionally. That, that even when he wants a rest, he, he never wants a rest, but when Wenger wants to rest him, he's saying, I don't want to play. 
you know, I think Wenger does have to, every now and again, against a team like Villa, you can afford to rest him and win, because Villa were pants, to be honest with you. Um, no disrespect to Villa fans, but I think they'll all agree with that. They, I don't, you know, poor, poor Blighters made the journey down here and had to sit there and watch that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty painful stuff. I'm getting them back for that time uh, Santa Claus crashed into Villa Park's roof. I was there for that one. We were winning 2-0, and uh, then the Santa Claus crashed into the roof. And... Uh, and we lost. Uh, it was the weirdest day of all time. Like, on probably, it? So I, I owe them one for that. Um, no, I think. Um, what was the question again? I've gone all blank. <laughs> Are we better without Sanchez in the team? Well, no, it's not. It's not a case of that. You know, it's the, for me, there are definite starters. There's, you know, Giroud is, you know, he's looking class at the moment. I think Sanchez is a starter. I think Ospina's a starter. I think Coquelin is a starter. I think you want to have Murtasaka and Koscielny. Uh, and actually, I like Debushi as well. Sorry, so going back to the question before, but um, yeah, cause that's what you know. Our Twitter did want to answer Basti. You know? uh, well, I thought I'd just sort of mingle them <laughs> into one thing, you know. But um, yeah, ultimately, uh, yeah, you want to start with Sanchez, and you want to start with Ian Wright as well. And when Ian Wright isn't there, you know what? The team, people like Cazorla, they up their game because it's like, well, Sanchez isn't here. Now I can, I've got that space. I've got, I've, I've got to fight a little harder. Now that's what Sanchez does. Is he? He's passionate, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he, he just goes for everything. And um, that—that's what we need a bit more. One little criticism against Villa: Ospina had the ball a couple of times in the first half, and there were eight players behind the ball, slowly walking out of defence after a corner. And I got up and I said, "Get an effing move on you, gits!" I got—I was quite angry. And that—and that, and then they actually did—they they started playing again. So uh, obviously, get, I have a magical <laughs> powers. And, you know, but I was saying, what, what I was saying, bro, next to me, why isn't Wenger getting up there and screaming at them? Because they'd gone into that, we're one nil up. Let, let's put our high heels on and walk down the catwalk and show how good we are. You know what I mean? Uh, I by by defending corners for twenty minutes. Um, so anyway, there you go. But I think Sanchez. Uh, to answer the question, Sanchez, yes, ninety percent of the time. Would you back up Basti there, Mike? Such a long-winded answer. <laughs> I can't remember what he said. Uh, yeah, I mean Sanchez has got to play. I mean, it would be ridiculous not to at the moment. But you know. They look good on Saturday without him, but it was against Villa. And that doesn't mean that you don't play your best player. And he is our best player without a doubt. Um, and, you know, I said earlier, I'd put bring him in for Ozil. But great, we've actually got choices to make. And that's something we've not been able to say for a while. So, um, but, you know, just because we've won one game 5-0 without him, I don't think it means that we shouldn't play him. I would agree. Even though That's I'm a short round It is much the same, succinct, yeah. concise, and you know what Twitter is all about. Um, we're now going to move on to the January transfer window. Yes, indeed, Basti. The January the January transfer window came and went like a damp squib. I think yesterday's one was probably the most least exciting night I've had in front of Sky Sports News in a long time. Don't know why I stayed up at all. Pointless. Anyway, we've got a barrage of tweets about the January transfer window, and we'll start off with our big money signing. And Tim, I'm coming to you first, Mr. Brazilian <laughs> football expert. Um, first and foremost, a hot debate has been raging. And um, the player we got, I can call him Gabriel, right? I can't call him Palista. No. Why is right. that, Tim? Were you kind of back that clear for our listeners? We're not coughing the rest of the night now. Tim goes to be here all You've night. You've got three minutes to <laughs> Right, OK. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but Paulista <laughs> is um, a pluralist term for someone from Sao Paulo. So Gabriel makes sense because that's his name. Um, he'll be referred to as Gabriel Paulista in Brazil because there'll be lots of footballers called Gabriel in Brazil. Therefore, they need to differentiate all of these footballers. And you see it a lot. It's, it's very, very common um, for kind of players to have where they're from kind of suffixed onto their names. For the purposes of Arsenal in England, it is not necessary. There are no other footballers called Gabriel from Brazil, so we don't need to use it. The same way that Ronaldinho is known as uh, Ronaldinho Gaúcho in Brazil, there is no need to call him Gaúcho here because there's no other Ronaldinho. So it's, it's, it's redundant, but to just call him Paulista means you're just saying from Sao Paulo, so it doesn't make any sense. That is why people listen to this podcast. So what if there was another Gabriel footballer from Sao Paulo? What would you call him? They would, they would call one Gabriel and one Gabriel Paulista. Oh. And what if a footballer was called Jack Londoner? 
it's like um, Gilberto, right? There were there were two Gilberto Silvers in the Brazil squad at one point. So the Arsenal Gilberto just took Gilberto, and the other one took Gilberto Silva. I never knew that. I didn't know that. Brilliant. This podcast is brilliant. <laughs> now, Tim, being the expert that you are on Brazilian football, have you seen this guy play much? I know he's been playing in a different league, the Spanish league, but have you seen much of? his game no I haven't I, I saw him play I think twice for Vittoria and one of those times was at left back um, so I can't really formulate much of an opinion on the player what I can tell you is that over the last 18 you know this time 18 months ago he was playing for Vittoria a small club in quite an inferior league in Brazil so for him to move to Spain and take to that so well and so quickly that he's now got a move to the Premier League um, is very very big um, and you know Gabriel is, is weird because he doesn't have much of a profile in Brazil like he's not he's never played for the national side um, he moved to Europe the same summer that Neymar left that Paulinho left that Bernard left so his, his transfer to Villarreal flew completely under the radar so he's, he's come up very quickly but very very quietly um, but what he's going to find now is that he plays for Arsenal and the first time he plays for us, everybody in the world is going to have a very definite opinion about how good Gabriel actually is. Whereas the last 18 months, he's come up very quickly, but really under the radar as well. And so there's going to be there's going to be an adaptation period because he's had two big promotions football-wise, um, and it's going to be a bit different for him. Everybody analysing his game, whereas he's been able to get on with things much more quietly. So I think. You know, this should be an adaptation period until the summer, and hopefully he'll have a full pre-season because he won't go to proper America or Brazil. Um, so probably next season you'll start to see, um, you know, the real Gabriel. Mike, you, you heard much about this player before we signed sign him. You, Bastien. <laughs> <laughs> what was he? That's just shit That um, could be a good sign because we've had players before that Wenger's bought that no one's heard of, and they ended up being called Patrick Vieira and um, Perez and God knows what. I don't know if he's one of those, but uh, no pressure there then after what you said on him. But um, yeah, I, hopefully there won't be any injuries. Maybe he won't be needed in the, in the short term, and so he doesn't get some sort of baptism of fire that kills off the rest of his career. You know, but. Um, um, let's see. I, I've, I've never seen him kick a ball, so I really can't say. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can't give an opinion on him. But I mean, you know, he, as Ted said, he's, he's been playing in Spain, which is not yeah. bad league. Yeah, you know? It's all right. It's decent. Yeah. a pretty good defensive yeah. record. He's been a, a key part of that. We needed a centre back. Everyone was agreed on that. He actually can play across the back line, as far as I can tell. Um, well, you know, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes, and he's an ugly bastard. So uh, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> And I say that being very ugly myself, so... <laughs> Mike, that's not what I see now. I see a face of beauty. Now, Mark Holmes has been tweeting so many questions, he must be on Twitter 24-7. But one of his more interesting ones was, um, no defensive midfielder has been bought because of Coquelin. Is he a stopgap or good enough to become Gilberto Mark II? We've had his song, let's talk about the man. Basti, start with you. How good is Coquelin? I am very impressed with... You know, he went away on loan, he's come back and he just looks like the rounded... He, the, the tackles he was putting in against Villa. Um, and he, he, he is that defender. I mean, he's doing something, you know, the, the, uh, the enforcer, rather. He's doing what Flamini and Arteta can't do, really. They, they don't have the build for it and all the sort of savagery and fitness that, uh, that he has. He also is a very good passer of the ball. And... Um, I think um, we've found something, someone there who is what I've been crying out for for years. Someone in front of the back four who's going to um, protect it and then turn defence into attack. So, albeit I'd have preferred a Petit and Vieira, um, having one of the two isn't bad. And I, I don't think he's he's either Petit or Vieira, but. He's, he's just what we need right now and that, I think he was what was missing against Chelsea that game there we, we didn't have that guy you know because um, uh, you know, Tim mentioned Chelsea earlier and, and that defeat and uh, I think had we had a fully fit Cockerland in place like he does now could have been a different ball game maybe even Hazard doesn't make it to the penalty area for example gets his legs yeah. taken from under him yes. Cockerland makes the tackles that we've been crying out for he makes the tackles clever tackles yeah. which 
I'd dirty, cynical, call with what you like, but I'm not sure they always do, to be fair, <laughs> well, but, yeah, but who cares, <laughs> if they're done in the right place and they stop the opposition getting a shot on goal or, or the goal itself, then all fair play to them, um, and you know, I, I think he's, he has been a bit of a revelation, and I, you know, I think he's probably taken most of us by surprise, I don't think, I don't think there was too many of us, even two months ago, were saying, you know what, we don't need to go and buy a centre-back, we've got Cockland back off Lionel from Charlton. You know, where he's been pulling up trees. Oh, no, he hasn't. You know, Charlton weren't interested in buying him, as far as I can tell, although that, that might be pure rumour. But um, he's coming, and what I like about him is he knows his limitations. I, I disagree slightly with Vasti saying he's a great passer. He does, he can pass the ball five yards. You know, I, I'm capable of doing that once in a while. But... The, he, he's not going to. He's not going to play the forty-yard through ball. That's no, not I, his I, game. Great, but he do, knows his do, limitations. Exactly, and knows that's his better limitations. Better than someone who can't, who can't pass the ball trying to do and that. I, and I, I always thought Alex Song got ahead of himself. He, yeah. he played those couple of balls over the top. Van Percy converted one, missed one. You know, and suddenly Alex Song was like, I can be the playmaker. I'm fuck my defensive duties off. I'm, I'm now going to gallop forward and make all these goals. And he never made another one all season, as far as I can recall. But but the number of goals we let in as a result of him galloping forward was was countless. And I just think Cochrane is just like you never see him go forward unless there's more than sufficient defence on cover. He sits there, he makes tackles, he'll make fouls when he needs to. Great. Wenger actually gave a really interesting interview, which I don't think was widely broadcast, with Alan Smith, I think, last week, and he said something really similar. He said where Coquelin started to go wrong in his early 20s was that Coquelin thought that he was a box box midfielder. Um, and that he was trying to do too much, he was trying to do too much with the ball. But actually what he's done now, I think the phrase he used was he's convinced of his own qualities now and he knows what they are. Um, and you're right, and, and actually sometimes you can literally see him just about to burst forward. I saw this a few times against City where he just went, and then he just kind of sat back and reined it in a little bit. So I, I think, you know, Wenger seems to be suggesting he's matured, he's more comfortable with what he's good at. Um, and I think we're really seeing that at the moment. So do you think then it was Wenger's long-term plan to bring him into the team, or has it been more accident than design? <laughs> Who wants to take that question? I, 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 I can't see anyone going anyone. That, it's a bit of an accident, but you know. But I'll tell so you what, what, though. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the thing is, back to the transfer window. Um, it's the first transfer window. I wasn't going. Oh, please sign someone. Please sign someone. You know, we've got Gabriel. Fine. Let's see what he's like. But having um, Ospina and Coquelin, it's like two signings, and it's the signings that we want. So, um, miraculously. Well, to go one stage further, Joe Cagliardi on Twitter says, if the form carries on until the season ends, does Wenger buy anyone in the summer? I'll start with you there, Mike. I so, so, I don't set these questions. Give <laughs> yeah, this a tough one, so I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, the summer's a long way off and a lot of things can change. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about four or five weeks ago we were going we've got to buy a centre-back and we've got to buy a centre midfielder in, in January now we're going well we bought a centre-back and we didn't need to buy a defensive midfield player five months away who knows what we're going to need you know Ospina is looking good at the moment might make a couple of glaring errors on Saturday and suddenly we go shit we need a goalkeeper why didn't we buy one in January bloody stupid Wenger even that you know we're fickle as Basti's already pointed out we need strength in the squad in the summer every club does you can't stand still um, right now I'd struggle to say what position we need to strengthen um, we probably still need a centre midfield player um, you know Cochrane is doing very well is he the long term answer mm, I don't know I'd hesitate a little bit if he, carries, if he can carry on progressing fine but he needs a backup. Is Flamini the backup? I think Flamini's probably going to go in the summer. Arteta, is he going to get a new contract? I don't know. Uh, you know, so I'd say you, you still need someone in that area. Would you let those players go in the summer at Bastille, Arteta and Flamini? Definitely. Would they go out uh, of the door? Yes, I would. Uh, but I would replace them with uh, another Cockerland, maybe, or someone of that ilk. A, defend, a defending midfielder. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've served the club well, as well as they can. And I, but I don't think they are really, to be fair, if you want to go up that notch, you know, that Flamini and, and Arteta, I don't think they're world class, to be honest with you. They don't get into their respective countries' teams. Um, and that's for a reason. And, uh, you know, they're good players and good servants to the club, but, if, you know... It's not Ray Parler, is it? 
it's not Ray, Ray Parler. I've got a couple more tweets here about some... I was um, joking about that, by the way, Ray <laughs> Parler. I had a Ray Parler pie tonight at Basti, and it was delicious. I had the Dennis Bergkamp. Now, would we sign him again tomorrow if he were available? I think we probably would. <laughs> Tim, we, had, we probably get this question more than any other, and we discussed it more than any other, but Mr. Lancaster has asked on Twitter, Abu Dhabi, scrap heap, put down, paper play, or cold your coaching role come May? Do you have, do you have any... Sorry, that's not to dismiss that tweet there. Do you have any um, views on Abu, Tim? Um, I mean, he's absolutely certainly going to go, and, and obviously that's that's very sad um, because we all know the circumstances of it, and you know what I think we all realise he's probably a very good player if he ever had the chance to prove it. Uh, there is absolutely no way that um, he's going to get a contract, and there's no way he should get one either uh, for reasons that are pretty obvious. Um, I think at the moment Abu Dhabi's priority should be trying to get a contract somewhere. And that means being able to play football, um, which he can't really, which the manager says he can't at the moment. So even a couple of under-21 games at the end of the season, I really think that that's probably, his head is more at, can I play football again, um, rather than do I stay at Arsenal? And I'm pretty sure that's what Arsene Wenger's thinking will be. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what everyone else's will be. And it'll be with a heavy heart um, and the rest of it. But, you know, we've, we've given him... You know, a, a good crack at it. And quite um, a bit of now. money, eh? I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make up for it, but you know, the guys. Well, yeah, yeah. Been well yeah. rewarded. Basti, do you think we've seen the last of little Abu in well, an Arsenal I mean, shirt? Yeah, I think we have. I mean, I, I, I bumped into him in Hampton High Street once. Oh, really? Uh, as do, you do. Do you want to tell us about what happened? Well, I was just walking down the road and I, I saw him and went, whoa, Abu, like that. And he went, oh, hello. That was it. It was well, nothing fantastic. Fell over three months. To be fair, that was when he was, unsurprisingly, he wasn't playing at the time, which I, I, I really can't remember seeing him play that much. Uh, since his career started there were a few you know and actually I'll be honest with you I don't think he ever really got to the levels that, that, that we require at Arsenal and uh, when he was playing let alone all the times he's not been present so we saw him have one crappy game didn't we we'll go right to, right to Liverpool towards the start of the season yeah and it held him as like an amazing and, and, yeah, player he was and, back yeah, and, 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 one cracking game yeah no I know but you know that, that, that showed the level he could get to uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think like, like, a lot of players, I, I don't know what the actual problems are there, but there's obviously something there stopping him from moving forward. You know, I don't think it's just just injury, is it? Um, I think there's, there's other stuff. You know, character is an important part of football. And if you, you know, I remember players like David O'Leary. They weren't the greatest footballers on earth, but they were very professional, turned up. I mean, he was a good player, David O'Leary, but he wasn't, you know, silky skills or anything. He just, he got his head down, you know, and I don't know. I, I don't know what went wrong with Diaby. Mike, we've had a lot of tweets about our striking scenario and situation. We've got some of these here. Eastland14 says, do we want to see Yaya Sanogo coming back? Um, another question, why didn't it work out with Joel Campbell? Was he given a fair chance? And Eastand 14, um, has Tuba Akpom done enough to warrant a new contract? So let's start with our let's start with our non-first choice strikers. It's not you like well back. These players here, how do you see them all and their Arsenal futures? Sonogo needs to go out on loan and, and, and play regular football and, and at a decent level, you know, and he's doing that for Palace. And, and he scored the other week, didn't he? he scored Along with Shamak. and him tore <laughs> whoever it was apart I can't remember who it was Southampton Southampton yeah which, 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 no main feet in the cup, yeah, yeah. we haven't managed that this season so um, so you know I think we've got to see how that one progresses I, I, from what I saw to no go I don't see him ever being Arsenal quality um, but you know I, I probably would have said the same about Copland a few months ago so I, I should, should uh, let that one rest um, Atcom Atcom seen very little of him but he looked good when he came on the other way well, last two weeks against Brighton and against Villa plays on the on the last line of the defence um, runs around he, he, he's sort of adopted the, the Sanchez work ethic he, he, he closes players down a lot better than any of our other strikers do apart from Sanchez so um, has he done enough to, to warrant a new contract I don't know I mean that, that, that's 
I, I, I wouldn't want him to leave now, put it that way. So I suppose on that respect he has. Why do you think, Tim, he stuck with Akpom rather than Sonogo or with Campbell? I think, um, well, first of all, there's the contract situation. Um, you know, he's trying to convince the guy to sign a new deal and it, it sounds like he's done that. Um, but really, I, th- I think the, the kind of the Akpom Sonogo thing reminds me a bit of Jenkinson and Bellerin in that I think Wenger wants Sonogo and Akpom to compete with one another to be the kind of backup target man striker um, in the same way that he wants Jenkinson and Bellerin to compete to be the backup right back and, and I think you'll only see one of Sonogo or Akpom survive um, and I think he's happy for there to be some competition there for a year or two see how Sonogo gets on on loan give Akpom a, run, a bit of a run till the end of the season see what he can do Maybe next year that changes. Maybe next year Sonogo comes back in and that bomb goes out on loan and he takes a view in a year or so. Um, but I think he's just trying to create at, at both levels in the starting eleven, but also create some competition just beneath. So we've actually got some young guys competing to be backups and you know eventually to be groomed into um, starting players for the future. Cool. Matthew, before I get on the line, my next question. What's the name of our German central defender called oh, again? Mr. PFG. What? Do you mean per person? Does he have a song? Oh, I think he's got a song. Why don't we sing it, Matthew? Yeah. Big fucking German! We got a big fucking German! Big fucking German! I'm doing it all wrong! Hang on, how's it go again? So is he. Oh, yes, it. Big fucking German! We've got a big fucking German! Can't do it! Seriously, this man has had chai hits. Um. But, uh, by the way, just on the whole Akpom thing, I yes. think Akpom look, really looks bright. I think he looks really good. Rough diamond. Um, Sonogo. Between the two, I'll go with Akpom. I haven't seen much. Uh, don't forget, Sonogo played how many starts without scoring? Lots it was of close to 20, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Akpom's only had there. a few starts, but he looks a little bit stronger to me. Um, yeah, one was the penalty against uh, Villa, but mind you, that was a dodgy one, I thought. Even so. Let's finish, potentially, um, on FA Cup and our chances of retaining the fabulous trophy that is the FA Cup. The um, fourth round the other day, crazy, big teams falling, left, right and centre. You could argue out of the supposed big boys, just us, Man United, um, Liverpool left, right. So what, how do you rate our chances of retaining the trophy? Easy next round, potentially Bastille, do you think? Uh, well, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, well, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, asking you what, I'm asking you to actually retain the whole yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah, Do you think we will? Uh, just, no, Bastic, nobody knows anything. The thing about we're, the we're, FA Cup is it can all go tits as they all tits up as they all just found out. Um, we ought to beat Borough, but Borough beat City. So you know, you just don't know, do you? These, it, it, it's a funny old game. I would like, I would very much like us to, to at least this season get our hands, keep our hands on that trophy. Mike, do you think, I ask you to just pontificate on this as we're here to do, do you think we've got a good chance of retaining the FA Cup? I mean, we have. I mean, with, with the, t- the big teams that have gone out, you've, you've got to say, well, we're favourites, and the bookies don't often get it wrong, do they? So, although they probably made Chelsea favourites in the last round, so they did get that one wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a home to Middlesbrough <laughs> is a good tie, but, and the fact that they beat Man City in the last round is a good warning. So we, we, we should be prepared for that and, and go out going, this ain't going to be a pushover. If we get through that, it's all down laps to the garden, isn't it? You, know, we, you could draw Liverpool, Man United away in the next round and then you'd be going, oh, we haven't got a fucking chance. Who knows? We might. You could, you could easily go there and win one of those. We beat Man City in the league recently. Why wouldn't you go to Liverpool and Man United and win there? Um, but you, you, you've got to feel a little bit confident. But it's a cup competition and anything can happen. True, but wasn't it, and wasn't it great to see Spurs go out? I know they've made the final of the other cup, but wasn't it funny? <laughs> when all the results come it's in, just... you thought to yourself, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Spurs could see the last minute equalising out? And they did. How good was that? Well, it was amazing. You are going to bring up, we are playing Spurs next week, aren't we? I will bring up, Basti, but... I think we mentioned it once or twice. Don't you think that was the best match of the day, not involving Arsenal, for you? <laughs> oh, great match of the day. That was relaxation. That was like going to some sauna and having like lots of... Sexy hands but, but there was that like <laughs> 60 second period on if you were watching on Soccer Saturday in about the space of about 60 seconds Bradford, Middlesbrough and Leicester all scored 
and it was just I, I don't ever remember my heart racing so much with, like you say with Arsenal not involved and kind of trying to stop myself dancing a jig on the sofa but I think uh, Bradford beating Chelsea was better than Spurs or all the other because yeah. Bradford Oh, at Stamford Bridge. That's got to be the worst cup upset of all time, you blue-nosed idiots. <laughs> Basti, very quickly, you can answer this one. Mark Holmes has gone into the realms of madness. If Arsenal replicate the away performance at City in Europe, can Arsenal win the Champions League? Yes, in Berlin. <laughs> Berlin, we're going to win the Champions League this season. It's already done. It's already arranged. Excellent. Now, last time, in the last poll, I didn't have time for this email from um, Harve Jennings in Cape Town, South Africa. So one of our international listeners. Hello, Harve. And he has quite a long email. I'll try and make it shorter. And Harve says, why is it that in recent years, the replica shirts have become more expensive, but the logos have become shoddier and flake off the merest sniff of washing powder? Is it another greed-driven ploy to sell more shirts, or is that a too cynical view? At 900 Rand AM time, surely we should expect more. Puma had the opportunity to at least show up Nike by giving us the first Emirates logo that lasted longer than the first pint at the Toddington. They missed the boat on that one. My O2 and JVC logos show no sign of crumbling. Like an early juice that the above argument does hold some water. Has anybody else noticed the sponsorship flaky issue? Mike, <laughs> I don't buy the replica shirt anymore. Maybe because of that. Maybe that's why. Uh, I, I, I can't say I've noticed, um, but I'm sure. I'm sure half from Cape Town, South Africa, is absolutely right. Tim, you're a man in the know. Many international fans. Surely you must have a view on this hot topic. Well, I, I stopped buying replica shirts some years ago as well, but. Um, I kind of collect retro shirts and so I, I can very much identify with the kind of the very seamless, timeless, durable JVC um, and Nike shirts of, of old in the mid 90s. I've got plenty of them and they've, show, they've shown very little in the way of wear and tear. Um, whereas, you know, I, I very much doubt that this year's Puma kit will be still being worn with the same relish and pride in 15, 20 years' time. Very true. Basti, I your view. I'll say on that. Um, Funnily enough, I, I took the missus to Barcelona a lot long ago, and she went and bought herself last year's Barcelona kit, which had a really crap crest on it that was sort of like one of those ones that when you, you know you wash it in hot water, it starts flaking and falling off. And this year, they've gone back to the what it always used to be proper embossed, sewn on, like made out of you know proper like a badge that's stuck on. Now, I, like the other two here, I don't buy Arsenal replica kits anymore, but I, I, when I do, I only buy the 1971 kit. When the other one, the, when the sleeves go a bit pink, I'll go and buy another one of those. And uh, that, that you, you can't beat that one. That is the Arsenal kit for me. And um, although the collar I've noticed went a bit weird a while ago, the, the, the collar went, it, it used to be frilly. Yeah, it was a bit, it was less subtle, it was more subtle before, and now it's gone a bit like you feel like a vicar. If, you, if, you've got, if you're wearing it underneath a jumper or something, it pokes up a bit. Like Interesting. A, because yeah. So, Harv, I hope that answers your question. Um, if you've got any more hot topics for us to debate in the next edition of this podcast, please do send them in because obviously Cape Town is obviously the hotbed of football um, views and opinions of the really important issues. Thank you very much indeed. That concludes the panel for today, but before we do that, don't you have a message from Steve Ashford? Oh yeah, there is an important message from the Highbury Spy. He's saying, Dear Mr Wenger, I'm very, very sorry I've been slagging you off for so long. Long. I really love you now. That was just after the uh, 5 0 win against Aston Villa. He's changed his mind. But again? Question, yeah, again. But he still doesn't like David Seaman. Well, hopefully, we'll hear him on a future podcast. But we're now we're going to hear from the editor of the Guna. If there wasn't enough people on this podcast, it's a plethora of talent. Here is Kevin Witcher to tell us about what's in this issue of the Guna. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Mark. How uh, did you have a pie tonight, Kevin? I did. I had um, Sam's out last time. Actually, it was so good. Uh, the uh, Thierry Henry, which is a venison in red wine. Uh, 
always recommended the uh, food here. Um, what do you make of Thierry's on re- debut performance on Sky? Do you see it, Kevin? Uh, I think uh, he needs a bit of uh, bedding in, frankly. I mean, he, he's, 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 he's too cool for his own good sometimes, but I, I think he'll get there. Four million pound a year he gets, you know, Kev? It's good money if you can earn it. I wish we were earning as much for our views around this time. Anyway, what's in, the, what's in the new issue with the Guna, Kev? That's what the listeners want Well, if we were selling a damn sight more copies, maybe we could give ourselves a rise, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, the current issue is the same one I was bugging last month because we only have eight a season now and uh, it's overlapped. It's a Thierry Henry special which has got uh, as its main feature uh, a bit of indulgence uh, reminiscing on uh, some of Thierry's great goals um, as well as uh, articles I mentioned a month ago such as the Arsenal membership pack guitar which is a classic. Anyway it is on sale the next two home matches against Leicester and Borough in the Cup uh, which will be followed at the Monaco home game by issue 249 which is now in preparation. So uh, £2.50 from your sellers on the way to the stadium please indulge us and uh, buy a copy much better value than your your programme and just while I'm here a quick mention for um, Prasanth Kalur who emailed a question sorry we didn't have time for that and a hello to my old pal Harv in Cape Town who uh, I last saw in 2010 but I hope to be back before too long on that note back to our genial host Mr Ronington thank you Mr Witcher Bastet I hear you might have a final song for us yeah I think a, a bit of a classic seeing as it's 50 years of match of the day we should have sort of an old oldie but goldie ok and what's more older than golden than good old Arsenal come on Bastet come on let's sum it up Good old Arsenal, we're proud to say that name. While we sing this song, we'll win the game. Good old Arsenal, we're proud to say that name. While we sing this song, we'll win the game. Say the best to last. Brilliant, Basti. Now, before we go, I want to thank uh, our other tweeters we haven't covered tonight. Hopefully, we'll get to you next time. Prasanth Kalur, thank you to your tweet. And also somebody else whose name I can't find on my list now. Mark Blondell, thank you to you as well. Hopefully, you will tweet us next time. Well, that's it for today. You can contact us at Twitter at Guna Podcast, email us at at gmail.com, or go to Mike's nude Snapchat page, details of which are on the Guna website. Um, <laughs> nude? Yeah, it's what all the kids, what all the kids are doing. Oh, that's Snapchat. That's a double take then. It's what all the kids are doing, Basti, seriously. Um, thank you, panel. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure. Thank you, Basti. Danke schön. Um, and thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Till and next Kevin, time. in there, in the background, thank you to you as well. You're welcome, Mark. It's been a marvellous super panel. Super, super Our um, next podcast comes in early March, but until then, be, stay careful, be nice, and be not, yeah, and generally have a lovely time in life. Okay, everyone. One, two, three. Lovey, 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 all good friends and jolly good company. Hey. I had a beer now, that's why. <laughs> <laughs>